I know you've already been welcomed, but I just want to do so again. We're glad you're here this morning to uh, worship with us and to study God's Word together. Uh, If you have your bulletins, um, there's a few announcements I want to highlight, the first of which is uh, Vacation Bible School. It's here. It's this week, uh, starting tomorrow at... um, uh, according to your bulletin, it starts at 6.30 p.m. from 6.30 to 8. If you have not uh, pre-registered, which, which basically just gives you a chance to avoid the lines tomorrow, uh, you can still uh, pre-register out in the, in the uh, fellowship hall out there. Otherwise, uh, tomorrow when you come, you can do the, do the same thing. Um, it's it's going to be a fun week, and so we ask, uh, just remind you to invite uh, anybody and everybody, and if you, uh, even if you're not involved, if you're not volunteering, or you don't have somebody to bring, uh, please be in prayer for the week. Be in prayer for those kids that will be here, and, and the workers, and that God's Word would really touch the hearts of everyone who's involved, and it would be a, a real blessing. Uh, also, we want to make mention of the baptismal service tonight. Uh, today, during our message, we're going to talk about baptism and just the biblical basis for baptism. And the reason we're doing that is because we have a service at the Kleinharts at 5 o'clock. If you've never been there and don't know how to get there, there's some maps out at the Welcome Center. Uh, we, this is open to everyone, okay? We want, we want as many people as possible to come and celebrate these baptisms. We're going to have, uh, looks like seven, eight, maybe even nine people getting baptized tonight, uh, both young and old. And uh, what a testimony and an encouragement it would be to them if you were able to come join us. So at five o'clock, we're going to meet there at the Kleinharts. We're going to eat. Uh, all you got to do is bring a dish to pass, the table service, and all that stuff will be taken care of. Uh, we'll eat, have like a little potluck-style dinner first, and then we'll kind of gather around their pond, and we'll have the baptisms. Um, bring a lawn chair or a blanket to sit on, so you've got, you've got someplace comfortable to sit, and um, that's it. We'd love to have you there to celebrate these baptisms. We're going to sing a few songs, and uh, it'll just be a blessing uh, for all of us. And a real encouragement to those getting baptized if, you, if you're able to come and support them. If you, um, if you have not talked to me, if you're getting, you want to get baptized, you haven't talked to me, uh, catch me right after the service today. I want to make sure I talk to you a few minutes uh, beforehand. Um, and then uh, also finally I want to make mention that on the back of the bulletin there's some information about um, our, uh, our first annual a summer dessert theater. As many of you, many of you have been to our Christmas productions, we're, we're doing one in the summer this year. It's not going to be a full meal, but there'll be a dessert. And so from July 29th to the 31st, uh, you, can, um, you can come and, and catch this play. There's information right out here in the, in the foyer, and you can sign up there. If you have your Bibles, please join me in Romans chapter 6 this morning. In Romans chapter 6, we're going to look at a few different passages and try to get a biblical picture of what baptism is and why we do it. You know, there are things we we do in the Christian life. Well, There are things we just do in our ordinary life that we just go through the motions. We don't really think about why we do them or, 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 or... what the purpose is, we've just kind of always done it that way, and that's just what we do. Well, uh, baptism maybe could be one of those things where it's, we, we have a service at the pond uh, at once a year, and, and we get all these people together to baptize, and I just don't want to assume that we all know what the biblical basis for that is. I don't want to just all assume that we understand that uh, it's, it's, this tradition is rooted in Scripture and not just tradition. And so we're going to study some, a few different passages, but if, you've, uh, if, you, if you find your place in Romans 6, we are going to eventually uh, get there here this morning. 
In the book of Acts, chapter 8, we're told about a story of a man who is traveling from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and now he is traveling back to his home country. And he's riding along with his entourage, a fairly wealthy man, uh, uh, an important man, and he's in his little chariot, and he's reading the Old Testament Scripture. He's reading the book of Isaiah, and he's having trouble understanding what he's reading. Now, if you've ever read the Old Testament prophets, maybe you felt the same thing. There's some things in those pages that just cause you to scratch your head a little bit, and that's what he was doing. He didn't, he didn't really understand what these words meant, and this is the passage that he was reading from Isaiah 53. It says, Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And this man was baffled about what those words meant or who or what he was talking about. And all of a sudden, almost like magic, almost out of thin air, a man by the name of Philip appeared. Now, we'd been introduced to Philip earlier in the book of Acts. He was an evangelist, an early believer, and loved telling people about Jesus. And so God, what it looks like from the Scripture, God supernaturally transported him there, kind of a beam-me-up Scotty type moment. And all of a sudden, he was right there uh, with the, uh, traveling along with the entourage of the eunuch. And uh, he introduced himself, and they began to talk. And he, he, the eunuch just was honest, and he says, I, I don't understand what I'm reading here. Uh, this, this doesn't make any sense to me. And so Philip began to explain from that passage of Scripture what that prophecy or who that prophecy was talking about and, and who that prophecy was fulfilled in, namely Jesus Christ. And he had a chance to point that Ethiopian eunuch that day to Jesus Christ, that day that Ethiopian eunuch trusted Christ as his Savior. And as they were traveling along, the eunuch noticed a body of water. And apparently they'd had enough time to talk about it that that Philip had explained, hey, this is the next step for you. You need to trust in Christ and then be baptized. And so when the eunuch saw the water in Acts chapter 8, this is what he says in verse 36. So they were going along the road and they came to some water and the eunuch said, See! Here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This is one of the early instances we see of believers being baptized. Now, it really didn't start here with the Ethiopian eunuch. We saw it with John the Baptist earlier in the Gospels, and Jesus was baptized uh, right from the get-go. Uh, those who decided to follow Christ were baptized as part of their obedience, as part of following Christ. There are two ordinances that Protestant churches today practice. The ordinances of baptism and communion. If you come from a Reformed or a Catholic tradition, you may uh, be used to referring to the ordinances as sacraments. Uh, early Christians called baptism a sacramentum, which is the Latin word for the Roman soldier's oath of absolute devotion and obedience to his general. And so these ordinances or sacraments are to be done out of obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Last week we celebrated communion. The Bible doesn't tell us how often to celebrate communion. It just says when you get together. 
There are some church traditions that celebrate it every week. Others celebrate it once a month like we do, and sometimes others do it less than that. God didn't really tell us how often. Uh, baptism uh, is... Uh, One definition I read, Baptism is an ordinance of the Lord by which those who have repented and come to faith express their union with Christ in in His death and resurrection by being immersed in water in the name of the Father, in the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a sign of belonging to the new people of God, the true Israel, and an emblem of burial and cleansing, signifying death to the old life of unbelief and purification of from the pollution of sin. Baptism is a symbol of what God has done in our hearts. And I want us to take just a few minutes and look at a few scriptures that explain what baptism is. I, I don't have notes or a, a PowerPoint. If you like to take notes, maybe find a, a, some, a white spot there somewhere. You can jot these down. But first of all, baptism is a command. Baptism is a command. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ told us in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we like to approach God like God's Word, like it's, it's an optional thing. Like we can pick and choose the, the types of stuff that we want to obey and not obey. But that's not how God wants us to approach His Word. His, His Word is truth. And we're to be obedient to truth. We're, we're to follow His Word. And when He commands us to do something, we should be people who desire to obey. And one of those commands is baptism. He didn't throw, out there, throw it out there as an optional thing. Not only was it commanded here, but it, it seems to be the practice of the early church. When you read the, the Acts in the Gospels, it's just when someone decided to follow Christ, it followed that they were baptized. And so baptism is a command. Secondly, baptism follows faith. Baptism follows faith. What, faith. what I mean by that is that baptism does not save. The Bible teaches us that salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. What we're going to do tonight as we gather around the river, uh, the, 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 the pond, is, 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 uh, is not in any way completing these individuals' salvation or making them more acceptable in God's sight. It's not closing the deal and making sure they get into heaven. This is an expression of their faith, their desire to follow Christ. And it's a symbol of what God has done on their heart, as we'll talk about in a minute. But the Bible makes it clear that our salvation comes by faith alone in Christ alone. There is nothing that we can do to earn it, no matter how good you are. No matter how frequently you come to church, no matter how much money you give to the church, no matter how hard you serve in the church, or how good of a husband or wife you are, no matter how many times you help an old lady across the street, or, or do some kind of an anonymous donation, no matter what we do as far as our works, we cannot earn our way to heaven. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Bible teaches us, and maybe our experience uh, confirms in our heart, that no matter how good we are, no matter how hard we work, we cannot meet up to God's perfect holy standards. And So salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. Baptism, though, comes after belief. Belief. 
It comes after someone has expressed their trust in Jesus Christ. It seems to be the pattern, uh, the passage here in Acts chapter 8, right before the story we talked about a moment ago. Uh, Acts chapter 8, 12 tells us that when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. They believed and then they were baptized. Acts 2.41 says that those who received his word were baptized. They, they received his word. They trusted in Christ. And then they took a step of obedience and were baptized. But here's part of the problem in many churches today is that because it's not necessary for salvation, because we don't preach that, hey, if you don't get baptized, you're going to hell. We don't preach that because the Bible doesn't teach that. But there are some that might begin to think that it's optional, that, that it's not that big of a deal. But as we said before, if God commands it, if God expects it, then we need to be people who obey. We need to follow in obedience. Thirdly, I believe baptism is by immersion. Baptism is by immersion. We're going to take just a moment and discuss kind of a, a theological nuance here. Uh, that, that is important in some discussions, and, and it will, uh, I, I think it's important in the, in the way that we practice baptism. The Greek word uh, for baptize is baptizo. We, we, didn't, we weren't real original in the English. We just kind of copied the word. It means to dip or to plunge or to immerse. The idea is of going under, of going under into something. And uh, most scholars agree that this is the way that the early church practiced baptism. Uh, Only much later does the practice of sprinkling or pouring emerge, as far as we can tell from the evidence. When you read the New Testament, especially, again, the Gospels and Acts, when you see this in action, the idea is is that it it looks like they're in the water and they're getting wet. They're getting down into the water. They they typically sought out a river, like the story here in Acts 8. Uh, Mark 1, 5 tells us that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. Um, Acts 8, 38 says they went down into the water. Uh, in, in Matthew 3, 15, Jesus went up from the water. All the pictures of baptism in the New Testament that I can find seem to indicate that someone is going down into the water and being raised up. And as we'll talk about in just a minute, the other, the other uh, truth behind that, I think, that, that gives... Um, uh, Further evidence to that baptism is by immersion uh, is the the picture that we're going to read about here in Romans chapter 6. There are some traditions today, uh, uh, um, many Reformed churches and and Catholic churches and other places where uh, the baptism of infants is, is practiced. Uh, I have good friends who are pastors who, who practice this. Uh, theologically, we disagree about this, and, and that's okay. We don't fight about it. We'll talk about it sometimes, and I'll try to explain to them why they're wrong. But um, they, don't always, they don't always see my reasoning. But uh, when I look at Scripture, I, I don't see any instances of infants being, being baptized. Um, uh, that's why we, we will dedicate infants here. We, just, we don't practice infant baptism. I haven't found it in Scripture. What seems to happen in the New Testament is that when uh, someone believes, then they're baptized. They're old enough to understand the gospel message. They trust Christ, and then they're baptized. That seems to be the pattern of the New Testament. Now, I totally understand 
uh, where people who, who believe in infant baptism, where they come from, and, and it's okay. It's one of those disagreements that I think is, is not a major reason to, to you know, get, you know, take the gloves off and, and get, uh, you know, riled up about. But it's something that I just simply disagree with. And, and I think that the, the picture is, is that, um, uh, that, that, that the individual goes under the water. And we're going to explain here in just a second the, the spiritual picture that's taken place. Because if you look at Romans chapter 6, if you're, if you're still there, you see that baptism is a picture. Baptism captures a spiritual truth. Romans chapter 6, the whole book of Romans is an amazing book. And Romans chapter 6 is going to use the picture of baptism to talk about how we've been set free of sin. There were a lot of things that happened in our relationship with God the moment we got saved that we didn't see or understand. And one of them is that which takes place right here. He tells us in verse 1, he says, What shall we say then, as we continue in sin, that grace may abound? By no means. Paul has been talking about God's grace and he's been talking about it so richly and so lavishly. What he's anticipating now is that someone says, wait a minute, if this grace stuff is, is what you're really saying it is, Paul, and that God will forgive me no matter what, that God has forgiven all my sins, past, present, and future, and that his forgiveness is total and complete, and when he forgives me, he casts my sin as far as the east is from the west. If this is really true, Paul, then I can do whatever I want. And God's just going to forgive it, right? I mean, it's kind of what you've said. And Paul's anticipating one of us who's, who's looking for a loophole to keep sinning. And so he throws this in here and he says, well, what do we say to this? Should we continue in sin that grace can just abound? Like, hey, the more I sin, the more God gets to show grace. So that's a good thing, right? And he says, may it never be. Just put that thought out of your mind. It's ridiculous, and he's going to go on and explain why that's so ridiculous. But he says here, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Don't you know that all of us, verse 3, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I don't pretend to understand the full spiritual truths that are being commit, that are being expressed here in Romans chapter 6. But what Paul is saying here is that, that when you trusted Christ as your Savior, something happened that you probably weren't aware of. There are lots of things that happened we, were, we weren't aware of. One of them is we were adopted. We didn't, we didn't necessarily feel or see that. You didn't get any papers in the mail, or you didn't go to the, the court hearing where the judge pounded the gavel and, and your name had been changed, and now you're a child of God. That, that, was, that happened in, in here and in heaven. We didn't see it. One of those other truths that happened is the Bible says you were identified, spiritually speaking, with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, what does that mean? What, what, so what? what? What's the importance there? Well, what Paul is going to go on to say, and I wish we had time to read all of Romans 6, what Paul is going to go on to say is, because that happened spiritually, you were set free from sin. By dying to sin, you are now no longer a slave of sin. If you think about a slave uh, back in, in, in slavery days, if that slave were to die, 
while under the ownership of his master, d- did he still belong to his master? No, no, he's he's dead. He's he's no longer no longer that person's slave. He's he's dead now. Well, the Bible says that the same happened to us spiritually. That we're no longer under the old slave master of sin. We don't have to obey those old sinful temptations anymore. That because we identify, we were identified by God with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been set free and raised to new life. We're new people. We're not the same. The Bible tells us elsewhere that if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have been made new. You're a new person. And so baptism then becomes, our, our, our water baptism becomes then a picture of what's taken place on the inside. The reason that we go under the water and back up is that we're symbolizing Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That we've been identified with that. That no longer are we that old person anymore. We died to that. And now we've been raised to newness of life. We're new people. We don't live the same way anymore. We don't, uh, don't have the same habits and attitudes. Do we, do we still struggle with sin? Of course we do. We still face temptation? Of course we do. The Bible teaches, I believe, that we still have a, a, a sinful nature that we wrestle with. But, but we're, we're a new person now. And we don't have to live the way we did before. Baptism then becomes a picture of what took place on the inside. Uh, one person said it this way. In baptism... By faith, we are united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Baptism dramatically portrays what happened spiritually when you received Christ. Your old self of unbelief and rebellion and idolatry died. And a new you of faith and submission and treasuring Christ came into being. That's what you confess to the world and to heaven when you were baptized. And that brings me to my next thought is that baptism is a witness. Baptism is a witness. Baptism is a testimony before the body of Christ that you have committed to follow Christ. It's a witness to to people. That's why we encourage you to come. It doesn't matter if you have a a relative or a a friend being baptized tonight. Please come and celebrate with them. Because what they're going to be doing is they're going to be going before you. And as they're baptized, they're declaring to you, I am a Christ follower. I want, I want to be obedient to him. I want to serve him. And I don't care who knows it. I, I, don't, I want the word to get around. That I'm not going to be somebody who's got my Bible shoved under my bed and I only pull it out at night if I pull a sheet over my head and read it with a flash. I want people to know that I'm a Christian, that I've decided to follow Jesus Christ. And baptism is not just a witness to fellow believers, but even to unbelievers. I sure hope that there are people there tonight that, are, that, that, that don't know Jesus, that have never embraced Him as their Lord and Savior, because I want them to be able to see the faith of even the, the little children that will be in there that have decided to follow Christ. I want them to see the commitment that's made today. Baptism is a witness. And then finally, baptism brings blessing. Baptism brings blessing. I don't believe that baptism is a, is a, is a mystical, supernatural thing that, that you're going to, God's going to infuse you with something special or, or do something uh, strange in, in your life there tonight uh, if you're the one getting baptized. But I do believe that it does several things for you. First of all, 
Baptism is a blessing because it points all of us to the work of Christ. And anything that does that will most certainly enrich us spiritually. Anytime you're pointing people to the cross, to the death of Christ, and anytime you're pointing people to the resurrected Jesus, it's a blessing. It's a very good thing to take time to to picture and to meditate upon the crucified and risen Jesus. Too often we relegate that to the Easter season, and it, it shouldn't be. And so when baptism points us to the work of Christ, it will bring a blessing. Second reason it brings a blessing is because it's obedience. Anytime you're doing what God, God's Word says, the Bible promises you'll be blessed. You'll be encouraged. You'll be enriched spiritually when you're doing that which is right. When you choose to go your own way and do your own thing, that's, that's always spiritual misery. But when you choose to walk in obedience to God, it's, it's blessedness. And that's, that's what baptism is. Thirdly, baptism brings a blessing because it takes us into a deeper awareness of our spiritual blessings and of our union with Christ. As we have a chance to meditate on what's being pictured there as we go under and, and come back up, we're taking time to realize that there are spiritual blessings being represented that we don't often think about. God has done a a flat-out miracle on your heart to bring you to himself. Do you realize that? You being a Christian is not just a a switch that you flipped one day. Eh, I think I'll try this Christianity thing out. Maybe that's how it started out for you. But the moment that you got saved, miracles took place. They, They started even before you got saved. But the Bible says none of us come to God unless God first draws us to himself. And the Bible says that, that when uh, you get saved, you have to be regenerated, that there's a spiritual birth. There's all kinds of amazing things going on inside your heart when God saves you. And baptism points us and reminds us of the goodness and the grace of God and His miraculously bringing us to Himself. And then finally, baptism brings a blessing because it unites the body of Christ in joyful celebration over, over fellow believers being obedient. Tonight, we're going to have a good time. I mean, when there's good food, you always, almost always have a good time. But it's not going to be the food that's going to bless us all. What, it, what the, the, the primary blessing is going to entail us gathering around and celebrating fellow believers being obedient and taking this step, declaring their faith that they want to be identified with Christ. And to be able to do that together is a blessing. So this morning, what I want to do is uh, issue a, a bit of a challenge and an encouragement. Because maybe you're sitting out there thinking, you know what, not, not a lick of this makes any sense to me. Uh, you know, uh, maybe you're not familiar with the Bible or you've, you've not experienced church much in your life. And you've come in here today and, and you hear all this baptism talk and you think, what, what in the world? You Christians are weird. I want you to know that Jesus Christ, this Jesus that we've been talking about, is God. He was sent from heaven to come to this earth 
to die for the sins of humanity. The Bible says that we're all sinners. We're all in a predicament because that sin separates us from God. This, this holy, perfect God can't just accept us into his kingdom the way we are. The sin has to be taken care of. It has to be paid for. The only problem is the Bible says that payment is death, which is like a, a really serious, heavy payment, but it's, it's, it's worthy of the crime. The punishment fits the crime. And so we're, we've got a problem here because we owe a debt that we can't pay. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, came and of his own will took our place on the cross. And he could do that because he's God himself. He's the perfect substitute. None of us would have been worthy substitute because we're all marred by sin. But Jesus Christ was spotless, is spotless, the Lamb of God. And God accepted his sacrifice. And the Bible teaches that all of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ who accept his sacrifice on our behalf can experience the blessing of salvation, of union with God, and one day spend eternity in the presence of God. The great news of it is that when Jesus died, he didn't just stay dead. The Bible teaches us, and hundreds of witnesses confirm that he came back from the dead miraculously, rose again, defeating death. So we serve a risen, resurrected Savior. This morning, if those words are falling fresh on your heart and you want to trust Christ as your Savior, I would love to pray with you after the service. Because as I said, we have seven, eight, maybe nine folks getting baptized tonight, and I would love to add a couple more. I would love to chat with you after the service, to pray with you about receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior tell you how to get to the pond tonight. I'd love to have a chance for you to be able to join us in baptism tonight. If you're a believer and maybe you've known and heard these things for a long time and you say, you know what, I've never taken that step to be baptized. Listen, I want to tell you, it's not too late to get your name on the list. Come find me afterwards and we would love to add a couple more. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch, all those years ago, my question for you is, what prevents you from being baptized? Let's pray. God, today is an exciting day because we are going to celebrate the faith of some men and women and children who want to express to everybody who will be there tonight that we want to follow you, God. Jesus is our Savior, and we want everybody to know that. God, I pray that you would bless our our time tonight. Move upon the hearts of someone who's here who, who may never have trusted Christ. May today be that day. May they be able to join us in baptism tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. God bless. You're just.